0: We are going to be back in Acts chapter 8 this morning. We've been in this series where we've been talking about the church is people on mission. We've been looking uh, at the early apostles in the days of the early church and how the gospel spread from Jerusalem out to all of the parts of the world. Uh, And we've looked at what it took to get the gospel out to the rest of the world. We looked at guys like Peter and John, and we've looked at guys like the apostle Stephen um, we've seen the highs and lows of ministry and of spreading the gospel. A few weeks ago, we talked uh, what uh, opposition to the gospel, what persecution looks like uh, from all sides. And we began last week to talk about Philip is who we're going to be talking a little bit more about today. Kevin shared last week a little bit about Philip and who he was, that he was a refugee to the area, but he was someone who was sold out for the message of Jesus, meaning he was someone who was fully dedicated and fully devoted to the work of the gospel. Like I imagine Philip would have been somebody that you were excited was on your team. Like if you're doing a schoolyard pick him and you had the first pick, Philip I imagine would be your first pick. And you're like, I want Philip. I want him on my team because he was always there. He was always present and he was always active in the moment. And I think the best word that I could come up with to describe Philip to to say who he was is I think you would call Philip a tolo. T O L O. I think you would call him a tolo and I'm going to ask the media team in the back if you'll throw that word up on screen for me. Uh, a, a TOLO. And so if you don't know what a TOLO is, I'm going to explain it to you. There's a sports radio station that I listen to uh, every, single, uh, every single day of the week, mostly because I need to get my Dallas Cowboys fix. I need to get my Dallas Cowboys news every single day of the week. And so I listen to this radio station. Um, but they have a word for their radio listeners and they call them this, they call them TOLOs. And what this stands for is turn it on, leave it on. Uh, They want their listeners to be turn it on, leave it on people. When they turn the radio station on, you listen to it all the way to your workplace. And then when you go in, you turn on your computer and then you listen to the online radio stream on your computer. And then when you get in the car to go home, you turn the radio back on and you listen to it all the way back home. And then when there's live uh, games like Cowboys games or or Rangers games, if they're not broadcasting the actual game itself, there's live commentary that they want you to listen to. You get behind the scenes things that you don't normally get on uh, national television broadcast, but they want you to be this person that turns their radio station on and leaves it on all day. They want you listening to them all the time. And so I think that defines and describes Philip pretty well. That when Philip put his faith in Jesus and the Holy Spirit began working inside him, that spark got turned on and it never turned off. It was something that was turned on and it was left on, right? He began listening to the message of Jesus And he never turned off the message of Jesus. It's something that he began working for Jesus and he never quit working for Jesus. He began to to be this epitome of what it is to be a turn it on, leave it on apostle, a follower of Jesus. He was someone who was bought in 110% into the mission of the gospel to spread the hope and love that Jesus has for each and every one of us. And so last week we looked at Philip as he did, uh, did his work in Samaria and, and with Simon the sorcerer, uh, and we kind of looked at some of his background, but this week we're going to look at another story. It's one of my favorite stories in the Bible uh, because it's such a unique opportunity uh, for someone to share the gospel. But hopefully by now you've had enough time to turn over to Acts chapter 8. Uh, we're going to be in Acts chapter 8 again, uh, starting off in verse 26. Uh, Acts chapter 8, verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south down to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. And so he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Kandake, which means Queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The Spirit told Philip, Go to that chariot and stay near it. And then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. "'Do you understand what you are reading?' Philip asked. "'The man said, "'How can I, unless someone explains to me?' "'And so he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. "'And this is the passage of Scripture that the eunuch was reading. "'He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, "'and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, "'so he did not open his mouth. "'In his humiliation he was deprived of justice. "'Who can speak of his descendants, "'for his life was taken from the earth?' "'And the eunuch asked Philip, "'Tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, "'himself or someone else?' And then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news of Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, look, here's water. What can stand in the way of me being baptized? And side note, some some Bibles have verse 37. Others don't. If yours doesn't have a verse 37, essentially it says, Philip says, well, if you believe in Jesus, we can get you baptized right now. And he says, I do. I do believe that Jesus is my Lord. And so picking up in verse 38, he says, and he gave orders to stop the chariot. And then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all the towns until he reached Caesarea. Man, like, how easy of a witnessing opportunity, right? Like, hey, what's that you're reading? The Bible? Yeah, okay. Yeah, can you come tell me about Jesus? Yeah. Yeah, I got you, man. Like, right? And then he disappeared at the end. Like, there was no awkward small talk after he got baptized. It's like, bam, all right. Like, oh, that's so cool. Like, sometimes I wish life was that simple, right? Like, Spirit of God, just lift me up and drop me right where I need to be. Uh, But we got a really cool scene that's happening here. We've got faithful Philip. We've got this Tolo, this turn it on, leave it on apostle. He's traveling out from Jerusalem towards Gaza, uh, and he meets this Ethiopian official, someone who is a high-ranking official where he is from, because it says that he is in charge of the treasury of the queen, right? That is a trusted official. If you're putting somebody in charge of your money, that's somebody that you very much trust, right? He's in charge essentially of the wealth of his homeland. You know, that's somebody that you want around you. And as this guy is traveling back from worshiping in Jerusalem, which kind of tells us that um, one, he might, have, uh, he might have been a refugee himself or like a, a descendant from somebody back in the days where Israelites were taken into captivity in all these different places, or he's somebody that, you know, came to knowledge about who God was and kind of a, a convert to Judaism. Um, but either way, this guy is somebody who had power He had wealth. He had the trust of the queen of his country, but he also had a deep desire to know who God was. And as he's passing by in his chariot, as as Philip comes to be beside him, uh, the Ethiopian is reading from this passage in Isaiah 53. We'll actually throw it up on screen so you can kind of see the side-by-side of it. Um, But this passage in Acts 8 that it says, he was led like a sheep to the slaughter. That's actually from Isaiah 53, a passage uh, of prophecy that is referring to Jesus and the, and the course that his life would take so that he could be the ransom for our lives, so that he could be the salvation that we needed. And so as this official is reading this passage, Philip asks him, he says, Hey, do you understand what it is that you're reading? And the official says, Well, hey, why don't you come and teach me about it? Why don't you teach me about who it's talking about? And so they begin to talk about Jesus, and the official accepts Jesus as his Lord and Savior right then and there, and he stops the chariot immediately, and they go down, and Philip baptizes him in this little body of water that's right there. Um, And as soon as that happens, Philip gets taken up by the Spirit of the Lord and put In a new place, which I think is in and of itself a really cool story to look at. That, like, Philip led this official to Jesus and didn't even get to take a breath. He immediately was, like, transported or teleported, really, to a whole nother place. And it says that he immediately gets right back to work sharing the gospel with others, sharing the message of Jesus through all the towns that he is going to. Again, he is the epitome of a turn it on, leave it on apostle, someone who is sold out for the message of Jesus. And so this morning, I want to kind of take a simple look at this passage and look at some very practical steps of what it looks like to live with a missional posture in our life. We've been talking at length this year so many times about what it looks like to share the message of the gospel, how to share the message of the gospel, that we need to share the message of Jesus with everyone, everywhere, all the time. But what, is that, what does that look like in very practical steps? What does it look like to be missional in our everyday lives. And so this morning, I want us to look at three very simple questions, but unpack that to see what it looks like to daily live out your life with purpose to share the message of Jesus. And so the first question I want to talk through this morning is, well, who do I talk to, right? I want you to look back at verses 26 and 29 uh, and see what happens in those verses, It says an angel of the Lord tells Philip to go down this very specific road at this very specific time and kind of be aware, pay attention to your surroundings, right? And then the angel shows up again and says, hey, there's going to be somebody passing by on a chariot. You need to go stand close to that chariot because your moment's coming. Your moment to share the message of Jesus is coming. So go and stand close by to that chariot. Does Philip decide where he is going to go that day? This is your chance for group interaction. Does Philip decide where he wants to go that day? No, right? The angel of the Lord, a messenger of God, someone who is bringing a message directly from God appears to Philip and says, hey, I want you to be at this exact place in this exact moment because God knows in that exact place, in that exact moment, he is going to put Philip in a situation to share the love and grace of Jesus. He knows that they're going to run into each other on that road. now, it's been a few years, but uh, I want to share a story with you. Something very similar uh, actually happened to me a couple years ago. I was, uh, I was walking down the side of the road, and a chariot drove by. And I was like, what? <laughs> Just kidding. That didn't actually happen. No, um, that'd be cool, though, right? Again, that would be cool if it was that simple. Like, all of a sudden, like, hey, teach me about Jesus. I got you. Um, but no, uh, no, again, it's been a few years, but... Um, My wife and I used to be a part of a gym close to where we live. That's right. Your boy used to go to the gym, used to work out regularly. It's been a minute. So if anybody's got the hookup, please let me know after service. But um, we had been a part of a, a gym that was close to where we lived, uh, and we used to go pretty regularly. But one Saturday morning, my wife and another friend of ours uh, decided they were going to go to a class at the gym uh, that morning and work out. And, uh, and while they were there, they met a young woman who had just moved to the area. She didn't know many people. She had moved here for work. Uh, She got a part of this gym so she could start making connections and start making friendships with other people around the area. Um, And so they got to talking with her, and they got to know her a little bit that morning. And they said, well, hey, we'll be your friends, right? Like, we'll go hang out and have coffee or have lunch, whatever. And you know what? I mean, tomorrow's Sunday. We've got church tomorrow. You want to come with us to church? There's plenty of people there that are our age at church. And she said, yes. I was like, yes, right? And are like, score, that's all right. We're headed in the right direction, right? And so they invited her to church and she came to church that next morning. And over the weeks, she came. She kept coming to church over and over and over. She began bringing the guy that she was dating at the time. She began bringing him with her to church and she became a, a, a part of the life of our church uh, that we were a part in that day. Um, she was coming, she was making friends. She was a part of, uh, of our life group at the time. Um, and, and her and the guy that she was with that they've now, uh, they've now gotten married and had kids, but they actually became some of our closest friends, um, not just within the walls of the church, but they were some of our closest friends outside of the church. Like we, we shared meals together at their apartment, at our apartment. Uh, we would go out to a new restaurant every single weekend. It seemed like we would, we would take care of pets when somebody was out of town. Like, Hey, can you come feed my cat? I hate cats, but yeah, sure. I'll come over. All right. Or can you, can you give my dog a walk or, or things like that? And they've since moved uh, pretty far away, but we have made the journey to go see them and their family multiple times, just because we want to continue to be around them, continue to work through this friendship. But Even if we are traveling to another town, but we'll pass through their town, we will make a point to stop and stay with them for a little bit, Um, because again, they've become some of our closest friends, all because of a conversation that happened at a gym on a Saturday morning. But I've often wondered, had my wife and a friend not gone to the gym that day, would that friendship have ever happened? Like, yes, they lived in the same area. Yeah, they might have uh, been members of the same gym that we were at, but if if they hadn't gotten up and gone and been present in that moment, that morning, that very specific morning, would we have ever met some of our closest friends? Honestly, I'm not really sure, right? I'm not really sure. I would like to think that at some point God would have crossed our paths together, but I don't know if if our friendship would have become as deep and become as rich had that not happened that morning. And so I'm a firm believer that that day God led my wife and the other friend to the gym that day for that exact specific reason, to make a connection with somebody, to invite them to church, to get to know them, to share what it looks like to have a love for Jesus in your heart and to be fully devoted to the message of the gospel. And here's the thing, like, there's, there's not an end point to this illustration because it's very much a friendship that is still going. It's very much a friendship that we continue to pray over, that we continue to pour into, that we would continue to love to see this big aha moment, this, this radical come to Jesus moment that everything all of a sudden clicked. It's still very much a friendship that we pray over, that we, we desire to see that. But this isn't an ending point. Right, I want you to see that because we've talked time and time again this year uh, about being missional. Right, What does it look like to share the gospel? How do I go out and I share the gospel? Well, who, who is supposed to share the gospel? Well, every one of us is supposed to share the gospel. Well, where am I supposed to share it? Everywhere that I go. And well, how often? All the time. We've said it all year long. Every one of us, everywhere, all the time. Well, well okay, I get that. But who am I supposed to share the gospel with? And we've said it over and over. Everyone you meet, everywhere you go, and all the time. But I think oftentimes there's still some of that practicality that you you kind of look at that and you say, okay, I get it, I get it. Everyone, everywhere, all the time. I I understand that I'm supposed to share my faith. I understand that I'm supposed to talk about Jesus, but, but who do I start with? Who is that one person that I am supposed to go to this week and tell them that Jesus loves them? Who is that one person? Like, when do I do it? Like, when do I even talk to him? I'm not even sure if I'm supposed to share the message of the gospel. I don't know if I'm supposed to talk about Jesus at work or at school. Or or, is somebody at the gym going to think I'm creepy because I walked up and said, have you heard about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, right? Like, practically, what, what do I do? Who do I talk to? And so I'd like to suggest this thought to you this morning to answer this question that God is going to put you exactly where he wants you to be exactly at the right moment. Just as he did with Philip, and he says, hey, go down this road, stay close to this chariot, your moment is coming. Just like he did with my wife and a friend that day in the gym, said, hey, go be in the gym that morning and pay attention to your surroundings because I'm going to put you into a conversation where you get to love on someone. I think he is going to put each and every single one of us, when we are faithful to seek out God and what he is trying to do, God is going to place us exactly where he wants us to be, exactly at the right moment. I don't know if this is encouraging or if it seems daunting to you. I, oftentimes, it, it, it's a little bit of both for me. But I want you to hear this this morning. He chose you to be exactly where you are right this very moment. He chose the family that you were going to be a part of specifically for you. He chose the job that you are in specifically for you. The workplace that you find yourself every day, students, kids, the school that you find yourself in, that was on purpose. It wasn't just because your parents decided to live there. God led them to that exact place in that exact moment, so you would be in that exact place at the exact moment that you find yourself in. He chose you for that moment, meaning he trusted you for that moment to go out and share what it looks like to follow after Jesus. He could have picked Joe Schmo or Danny somebody or Dr. Whoever, all the other people you think in your life are way more qualified to share the message of the gospel. He didn't pick them. He picked you and he placed you right where you are at this exact very moment. He is trusting you to do that. We need to be faithful and lean into those moments. Trust that God knows what he is doing. And so this first question, who do I share my faith with? I think the first step we need to take is to prayerfully seek out God's direction and ask what, what is it that he is trying to do in this moment? Who is he trying to reach in this moment? And I could ask you today, I want you to think of one person, first person that comes to your mind that you need to share the gospel with. I dare say that almost every one of you who have just immediately thought of a name, that's your person. Who do you share the gospel with? Who are you supposed to talk to? That name that just popped into your head, that's your person. There's not a coincidence uh, or a happenstance that that name just popped into your head right now. That's the person that you need to share the gospel with. That is the person that God is leading you to. Who do I share the message of the gospel with? That person. And then the next person. And then the next person that God leads you to. And then the person after that. The second question today How do I know if they'll listen? How do I know if they'll listen? Well, I mean, let's put ourselves in Philip's sandals for a second, because he probably wasn't wearing shoes. He was probably wearing sandals. So let's put ourselves in Philip's sandals for just a second. And this angel of the Lord just appeared to Philip and said, hey, I want you to go talk to this random stranger that you've never met, and I want you to tell him that he's living the wrong lifestyle. I want you to tell him that you know a better path of life. You know the Lord and Savior. I want you to go tell him that kind of seems like a big ask, right? Or is it? Is it really that big of an ask to go and share hope with somebody else? I mean, you may be asking yourself, okay, I get it. Who do I share the gospel with? I can think of somebody that I need to go talk to. Uh, well, well, how do I know that they're going to listen, right? Like I, I get it. I need to share my faith with them. but But how do I know that they'll actually hear the words that I'm trying to speak to them? Well, you don't. You don't know if they're going to listen. Now, hopefully, they hear the words that you speak. They, they understand the message of the gospel and who Jesus is. And they immediately trust in God. They immediately trust in Jesus as their Lord and Savior. And then they turn around and they go lead their entire family to Jesus. Like, everything is just wonderful, golden arches, whatever, mountaintop experience, right? Like, that's the best case scenario. That's what we all hope for in those moments but on the flip side, they also may just completely ignore you. They may tell you just go away. Like, I don't want to hear this. And they may never speak to you ever again. Like, hopefully not. That's worst case scenario, right? Let's identify the worst case scenario because it's probably not going to happen, right? But I understand that's a real fear. That's a real fear that even if the most faithful Christian was honest with themselves, that's a real fear that exists within us. Well, what a What what is the pushback I'm going to get? What's the opposition I'm going to get? Am I going to still be friends with this person after I talk to them about Jesus? I want you all to key into something here in Acts chapter 8 about the Ethiopian. What is the Ethiopian doing as he's riding down the road? He's reading scripture, right? He's already reading scripture about Jesus. Essentially, he's already looking for answers, He's already got the questions in his mind and in his heart, and he's searching for answers to the questions that he has. But it says that he lacks the understanding. He even admits that. How am I supposed to understand what this is unless someone tells me about it? He lacks the understanding about what real hope and real peace and real salvation looks like. And here's the thing that we need to remember as Christians Everyone in our world, everyone around us is already searching for answers. I think that's the reason there's so many help, self-help books or life hack videos on Instagram uh, or unhelpful YouTube videos that tell you how to fix your car, but they don't actually fix your car. Like, I think that's why so many things exist like that because everyone is already trying to fix what is broken. Everyone is already looking for answers to fill the gaps within their hearts. They're already searching each and every way. They're often missing the understanding of what it looks like to have a real hope, to have a real peace, to honestly fix what's broken and keep it fixed, not a, a tape job that's immediately going to break in a week from now. They're looking for the right answers in the wrong places from the wrong voices, too oftentimes they put their purpose and their identity in, in things like like political divisions. Ugh, I hate politics. Like it's just, just the worst place to put your purpose in. I'm sorry, it is. But they find themselves in political divisions or uh, in society issues. They they look into false ideologies or false theologies that promise false senses of hope. Um, Too often times, people put their their faith and their purpose in, in material possessions or wealth or success or even bitterness or this thing or that thing, all of these things that offer us no real fulfillment. They are looking for answers and they're finding the wrong answers in the wrong places from the wrong voices. And too often, I think Christians, we like to sit on the sidelines and keep the right answers to ourselves. We see people searching for answers. We see them reaching out, looking for understanding, and we have that understanding. We have that hope. We have that message of the gospel. We have that peace that we find in Jesus, and too often we keep it to ourselves because we're scared of what the response is going to be. That's a valid fear. Don't hear me wrong this morning. That's a valid fear. I get it. I get the exact same fear when I talk to people about inviting them to church and and telling them about who Jesus is. I have those same fears but we can't let that fear dictate how we interact with people who are searching for the hope that we already have. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 it says consequently faith comes from hearing the message and the message is heard through the word about Christ. It says faith comes from hearing the message hearing the message as in someone is speaking out loud the message of Jesus for them to hear. Will they hear it? Will they listen to you? Either way, we can trust in the knowledge that God is going to work in hearts and minds. That's not our job. Our job is to be faithful, to share the message. It's God's job to break open hearts, to break open minds, to pour in His Spirit and to work in their lives. We have to be faithful to share that message. We have to be faithful to live humble lifestyles, to fervently preach and live the way that Jesus lived and preached. to be purposeful with the way that we carry ourselves and the way that we treat other people so that they don't ignore us, that they don't tell us to go away, but they see something different inside of us, and they want what we have. That's our responsibility, to live faithful in a manner worthy of the one who has sent us so that people will listen to us. So who do I talk to? How do I know that they'll listen? The last question I have for you today is why? Plainly put, why not, right? <laughs> like, why not? Like I. I I like to picture this sometimes like i bet the the reunion of philip and this ethiopian official when they both got to heaven like i bet it would have been a really cool scene to watch right like oh my gosh like you're the guy you're the guy from the side of the road like you you told me about jesus and then you baptized me and then you disappeared which was super weird like where did you go right but oh my gosh Philip, I got so many things I need to tell you. I want, I want to introduce you to all of these people that that now know who Jesus is because you were faithful in that moment. I've got so let's go, let's go, let's catch up. I want to tell you so many different things. Like I feel like that would have been a super cool um the, a moment to watch. And I'll be honest, selfishly, when I get to heaven, I I want a list, right? Like I want to see a lineage of people that are in heaven because I was faithful to preach the message of Jesus to them, that I was faithful enough to lead them to Jesus. I hope and I pray that I get to see a list one day of people that are there because I was faithful. But church, let me ask you this question. How awful would it be for you to get to heaven and realize that no one was there because of you? (laughs) That question hit hard when I wrote it on my paper this week. I'm going to say it again. How awful would it be for you to get to heaven and realize that no one was there because of you? Because we weren't faithful to preach the message of the gospel, to share the hope that Jesus gave us. I hope and pray that I never have to experience that kind of moment, and I hope and pray that for you as well. That would just be awful. I was reading this story A couple weeks ago, about a missionary to China named Hudson Taylor. Um, Hudson Taylor uh, was a missionary in China, the late 1800s, early 1900s, and he had gone over there to share the message of uh, Jesus with the people over there. and um, And he goes on to recount this story that he had been in this specific area of China uh, for over a year. He had been preaching, he had been teaching, uh, he had been loving on the community around him, but just it didn't feel like the message was really taking at all. Like nobody really seemed to be affected by who Jesus was and the message that he was preaching. He even goes on to say uh, that he was almost ready to give up. Like he'd been there for over a year and, and, and nothing was happening. They were nice to him. They treated him well. They had brought him into their community, but, but nobody was really making that decision for Jesus. And it, he says, I was, I was almost ready to give up. I was thinking maybe I made a mistake in even coming here. And one night he was preaching uh, the same message about Jesus, telling people about who he was. And a man stood up at the very end of his sermon. uh, And the man looked at Hudson Taylor and he said, I want you to know that I have tried every major religion in our area. I've tried Confucianism and I've tried Buddhism. I've tried Taoism. I've tried all of these different remedies to find true rest in my life. But I've never been able to find that true rest. And the man continues on and tells Taylor, he says, But listening to what you preach tonight, I have found true rest in the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that night he gave his life to Christ. Hudson Taylor then shares, uh, continues on in the story that, uh, this man was so excited about the gospel that he begins inviting Taylor out into the different communities that he's a part of, begins sharing the gospel with his friends and his friends and 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 their families and their families. Uh, and people are beginning to accept the the knowledge of Jesus. They're beginning to accept the gospel and come to that faith in Jesus. And, and Hudson Taylor uh, says that one night they're sitting there sharing a meal and he's talking with this man that kind of was like the kickstart of all these people coming to know Jesus. And the man looks at him and says, Taylor, can I let me ask you this question. How long in your land have people known about Jesus? And Hudson Taylor says that he looks at the man, he says, "Well, you know, for hundreds of years now we've we've known about Jesus for hundreds of years." and said, with a very stern look, the man looks back at him and says, "You've known this truth for hundreds of years, and yet you just now came to tell us about it." He says, "My father, And his father before him searched their entire life for truth. Both of them died without ever finding it. Why didn't you come sooner? Church, how long have you known about Jesus? How long have you known the gospel? Why haven't you told them sooner? I think it's time for us to go tell people about Jesus. Who? Pray and ask God for direction on who it is that you're supposed to think of, who you're supposed to speak to. If you thought of a name a minute ago, start right there. How do you know if they'll listen? Trust in the knowledge that God is going to do the work. You just have to be faithful to show up in the moment. Why? One, because Jesus told us to But I'd love to see heaven full when we get there. Amen. Would y'all pray with me? God, we come before you today. And God, I thank you for an opportunity to gather together with our church family in worship. To dig into your word and to learn more truth about you this morning. to learn over and over about how incredible your saving grace is for each and every one of us. God, would you put us to work? Would you encourage us? Would you build us up? Would you give us the tools that we feel like we need to go out into these situations? But God, then I pray, would you put us in those situations that we need to find ourselves in? God, even when they're uncomfortable, even when we feel like somebody else would be better equipped in that moment, God, would you put us there still? Would you show us the right moments? Would you show us the right people? Would you... Reveal to us the right message that we need to share with people, so that they come to know who you are, to see the incredible work that Jesus does in our hearts when we give everything over to you. God, would you strengthen us for that mission? God, would you open hearts? God, would your will continue to be done on this earth as it is in heaven. It's in Jesus' name I pray.